All right, for all of you joining us, welcome. We're glad you're here. Good to see all of you tonight, and may the Lord bless you. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we weren't able, the, the choir is, you know, Steve's got all of our musicians, and I'm not, and I'm not mad about it. I'm happy about it. I'm just saying we couldn't get everything done, Shauna, and we couldn't get the team all together. So we're just going to uh, begin and have some prayer, and then we'll uh, get into God's Word. And it's great to see all of you this midweek time. And those of you who are joining us uh, uh, remotely, we're, we're honored that you're with us also. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and as we always do, I ask you to uh, join me in praying and thinking about somebody perhaps that's on your mind, uh, on your heart tonight that you might uh, present to the Lord. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us. We thank you for what we're about to read in the Word of God from Paul the Apostle, that we are called to rejoice in the Lord, and we thank you for the glorious, wonderful blessing of joy in the Lord. And we thank You for the opportunity we have to rejoice in the joy of the Lord. And so we thank You for salvation in Jesus Christ. We thank You for Your grace and for Your mercy in our lives. We thank You for Your calling us to Yourself that we might live in holiness and righteousness that comes from what you have done for us, Lord Jesus, as you've took, taken our place. And so now we, we praise you and glorify you for all that you have done. We thank you for your sacrifice. And as we've learned, as we've looked in Philippians, uh, at the wonderful truth that you humbled yourself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. May we learn how to be faithful and obedient and may we have the mind of Christ and live in humility and not uh, considering ourselves as most important. But may we truly <clears throat> look out for the others around us and truly seek to share the gospel and care for others as you have done for us. So Lord, tonight we, uh, we present the person that is on our hearts to you or persons. Uh, we pray for those who are our brothers and sisters who still are not able to come. We pray for their health. We pray for their strength and for, the, uh, for their condition. And may they know that we care about them, we love them, <clears throat> and that we're thinking about them. So, Lord, it is good for us to be together. And we, we're, we're thankful for all that you have done for us. So may Jesus be... Uh, honored and glorified, and may our, may our words and may the truth of your word impact our hearts and minds tonight so that we might live for you and honor you in all of our ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so a couple of announcements uh, reminding you, um, and uh, I'm, I'm just mentioning this, I've said it to you before, we'll mention it on Sunday mornings. Time in the Word on uh, Wednesdays. By the way, Ricky's not mad. He has to go between here and the choir, and he's working on... All... Would you all say thank you to Ricky for all the things he does? He does so much. Ricky, we love you, brother. Anyway, uh, Time in the Word is, is the thing that I'm starting on Wednesdays at noon on our Facebook and YouTube channels. Uh, First Baptist Church Facebook and YouTube channels. 12 to 12.30, it's a very brief thing. If you have uh, friends or some people who might like to just um, have a little bit of time in God's Word in the middle of their day, 
Uh, it's, I, I'm planning it on Wednesdays uh, at um, uh, June the 2nd. It'll start and it'll go on for, uh, we'll see, Lord willing, however long. We'll see if, uh, if I'm just talking to myself, I won't need to keep doing it on there. I'll just meet with myself at 12 and have my own time in the Word. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm told that you know we can actually see how many people join and do. I don't know anything about all these uh, electronic things, uh, so I'm told that they can tell how many people look at it. So some of you are looking at me like you know, but you don't know either. So I don't know what that means. They just tell me that. So uh, I hope you'll uh, uh, spread the word. Uh, maybe some friends of yours would like to join us. I want to just. Uh, give a word of encouragement. I, I feel very strongly I think this will be a helpful thing for some and maybe perhaps teach some people a little simple way that they can learn how to have time in God's Word. That's the big idea. So we're going to do that. So we're in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at three verses tonight. Uh, because I'm because of uh, uh, you know uh, my what I do here, you know, I'm, I'm going to take just a moment and uh, comment about uh, my, my life <laughs> and uh, say something to you. So I had a uh, uh, fall the other day, which I guess when you get old, Ken, you know, you can fall down. Maybe I need your cane. That's what I probably need. But anyway, I had a pretty severe fall, and so uh, they had to... So some of you are worried about my haircut. And, and those of you watching, yes, it is all chopped up because they had to go in and do what they have to do when you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, do things to your head you're not supposed to do. So I am proud to say that the object that I hit had dents in it, and I'm glad. <laughs> and so I didn't just come out of it. The object had damage also. But, I, you know, it's one of those things. So I may not be totally uh, at my normal uh, uh you know, speed, but I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm fine, uh, you know, as I've been told, but it takes a few days for your head to, I didn't have a helmet on, so, you know, it, it, my head did it. So, Charlie, if it's, you know, not my normal, as you've known me for all these years, it'll be back. It'll come back. But, so if I, if I drag along, uh, you, you just uh, uh, pray for me, but I'm grateful for, for that, uh, for the Lord's uh, care and be careful. That's what I'd say to you. All of you can have accidents. It doesn't matter how old you are. Don't think that just old people have accidents. So please be careful as you go. So some of you would like more information. That's all the information I'm going to give you. you know, so you can make up whatever else you want to make up. So now it's been electronically shared with the world. And I really don't plan to say anything on Sunday. Okay? So this will be enough. So, I'm not wearing a helmet. That's right. I have so many staples in my head right now, there's no need for a helmet. It is perfectly held together. And so it will be for some time. Um, so anyway. All right. So, Philipp so there's enough of that. I want you to go to two places. Philippians chapter 3. We're, we're continuing on. But I also want you to find your place in John uh, chapter number 15. Because tonight we come back to this wonderful theme, and, and many of you in this room are, are very knowledgeable of your Bible. Uh, you know that one of the theme, one of the one of the very important themes of uh, Philippians is joy. It is a recurring word that Paul uses in this book. Uh, 
so I've chosen, I was waiting to talk about this. I've mentioned it as we've read some of the verses on joy. Tonight I'm going to try to link those verses together for us. And, and our focus tonight, the focal truth of what I want to bring out out of these verses is this, that, and perhaps you've not thought about it like this, believers must watchfully rejoice in the Lord. Believers must watchfully rejoice in the Lord. And those two, uh, those two verbs become very important for us in our ongoing spiritual life. So Paul has been saying, and what did, he, what did we see last week? If you weren't with us, we looked at those who blessed the church. Uh, in um, Philippians 2, 19, all the way to 30, uh, Paul talks about his two men. What would he have done without Timothy? What would he have done without Timothy? What would have happened to the advance of the gospel without Timothy? Timothy was a man, uh, verse 20, this is 2.20, who was of kindred spirit, who had a genuine concern for the welfare of the church and did not seek his own personal interests. This has always been true, the advance of the gospel in every church that's ever been planted in the world. Since the Lord Jesus left, there were those who stepped forward who did not put their own selfish interests first. I hope you're listening. But they sacrificed themselves and they committed themselves to the planting of the, of the sharing of the gospel and the planting of churches. And what would we know? How would we be? Where would we be? We do not know. Perhaps Timothy was the one who carried many of these letters of Paul from place to place. We don't know all the ins and outs. We will in heaven someday know. But I want to impress again to you the importance of your commitment to being like Timothy in spirit. To having a kindred spirit around the gospel with others who have a desire to share the gospel. That's what we do together. It's our kindred spirit. And I asked and challenged some of you last week. Paul had a Timothy. And some of you, who's your Timothy? You know a lot. God has blessed you. You've been trained. You know the Word of God. So do you spend time finding a faithful one and teaching them also so that they may teach others? Paul did it and because of that, the gospel was greatly advanced. And what do we do without people like Epaphroditus? You see, Timothy was like a son to him. Notice he says that in verse 22. I'm, I'm reviewing here. 2.22, but uh, you need to know that Timothy has proven his worth and that he served me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Uh, but then we have Epaphroditus, this brother who came from the Philippian church who brought the gift of the Philippian church to Paul in prison. And I mentioned to you the danger of being uh, known as one of these uh, risk takers. He risked his life, we read in verse number 30. And I talked about that Greek word for risking your life. That Greek word was a what became a, a badge. It, it had a term that was used of risk takers among God's people who would uh, care for the martyrs who were killed and bury them. Who would also bury their enemies who were left out and didn't have burials. Who went to see the sick. And I reminded you last week, when these risk takers for the gospel were doing what they were doing and caring for the sick, they didn't have any antibiotics. They couldn't take a shot before they went. They took a risk and did what they did in the name of Jesus Christ. And then uh, they also were risk takers because they went to prison. And one of the things that we read uh, was many times the Romans, 
watched for those who came to see prisoners in their prisons. And guess what they said? Well, these are, these are criminals too. And many of them were locked up. So there were a whole series of unnamed people in the first century as the gospel was being advanced who were risk takers. I ask you this, are you a risk taker for the gospel? I'm not talking about doing silly things that just to get a thrill. Are you willing to take a risk for the gospel? This is what we learn and this is why Paul gives this many verses. You know, Paul doesn't have a lot of time. He's, he's, uh, he's compressed in jail and, and the topics of Philippians are very important. I've mentioned to you there's not one Old Testament passage quoted in the book of Philippians. Not one. He spends no time in those things. It is his most uh, transparent, personal time of pastoral talking to a church that he greatly loved. So I wonder if you're an Epaphroditus. I wonder if you're a Timothy. I wonder if you're like Paul and you've... How many spiritual children do you have? Well, some of you need to consider that because that's the next stage of your spiritual life. You learn these things to share them with someone else. Not just your own children, by the way. You have a responsibility. That's how the gospel is advanced, and that's discipleship. That's what we do. That's what this church has to be about. And I've said enough on that. I don't want to uh, tread on those waters. And no, I'm not on any medicine tonight. I am fully here. Feeling it. Feeling every staple in my head while I'm doing this. I told the man, I know Pat's listening to me now, honey, I love you, but I told, after I fell down and got up and Pat was finished getting on to me, I went to the emergency room and I said, look, I told the doctor, I said, my wife's already gotten on to me. I need some sympathy. He said, don't worry, brother. I've got a staple gun. I'm going to show you some sympathy. And he did. He did. And I tried to share the gospel in between breaks on the, on the experience. So there we are. And my son's taking pictures the whole time. I don't even understand that. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. That's what Paul says. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me. And it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Heavenly Father, may You bless the reading of Your Word. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. Now, also read John. Let's go to John 15. Very familiar words to this Wednesday night crowd. As our Lord's been talking about the importance of abiding, abiding, and uh, the importance of remaining in Him, in our relationship to Him. Now we come to these wonderful words. So sweet, so good. Think about what they were like for the first disciples and think about what they're like for us. Just as the Father has loved me, verse 9, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Live in the love of the Lord Jesus for you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I abide in the love of the Lord because I love the Lord and I do what He says. 
His words matter. This is what I'm talking about on Sunday mornings in truths that last. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ matter more than any other words. If you want to abide in the love of God, you abide, you live, you eat, you feed on the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are life to us. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. We do what the Lord Jesus did. He kept the words of, of, of God the Father. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy, my kairos, may be in you and that your kairos may be made full. That's the same word that we're seeing here in Paul's writing to the Philippians. He's challenged them about humility and having the mind of Christ. He's challenged them to, to, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Uh, he has uh, challenged them to conduct themselves in such a manner as is worthy of the gospel. Chapter 1 verse 27. He has challenged them and said, My circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Chapter 1 verse 12. And he's talked about this joy that he has. He says <laughs> at the end of chapter 2, at the bottom, he says, verse 17, But if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. In other words, if I'm being poured out as the libation, as the old drink offering was poured out upon the burnt offering and it was a sweet aroma. If that's what ministry is, and that's what I think it is. It's a sacrifice. Ministry is always a sacrifice. I hear people talk about doing ministry and they whine about what they're doing. Ministry is giving yourself away. And so he says, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, look, I rejoice and I share my joy with you all. You too, I urge, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. There is this joyousness that is contagious. There is a joyousness that is contagious among God's people. So I must somehow, somehow wake up in a different world when the church seems to lack joyfulness and seems to live in misery and complaining and uh, criticism and hate and judgment. Uh, these things do not honor the Lord and they certainly demonstrate something that we lack and that is rejoicing in the Lord. So I, I begin by reminding you, we, we don't read this in the Greek language, but I'll, I'll describe it to you. Uh, verse number three is a, is a verb. It's an imperative verb. It's a, the word rejoice here is it's, it's a command. It's a duty. Rejoice, he says. Rejoice in the Lord. Now I want to talk about joy for a moment. I've, I've commented on this uh, many times, and I, and I spent a lot of time on this actual word. The word joy is the is kairos. It's the word for uh, it can be translated to be glad, but there's more to it. So I want to pause here, and I want you to think about this. Joy is calm delight. Joy is calm delight. Joy is not a uh, emotional spasm. Uh, joy is not some kind of uh, emotional eruption. Uh, joy is not some cheering and clapping. Joy is calm delight. That's different, isn't it? When I say that, you see, uh, uh, the richest minds are deep 
in the ground. And the deepest rivers uh, make the least noise. Uh, still waters run deep. And so Paul has been talking about joy and it would be a misunderstanding of this word all the way laced through Philippians for you to think it's some kind of ecstatic, emotional, like Paul saying, get, your, get fired up. He's not saying that. He's not saying get fired up in the Lord. He's saying live with uh, calm delight. That's what every one of us in this room needs. Because I can promise you the circumstances of your life are anything but calm. There's always something. There's always an upheaval. We live in a world of wickedness and godlessness. Why are we surprised by it? So in the midst of the wickedness in which we live, in the midst of being in the world and yet trying not to be of the world, we must, listen, this is an act of faith. This is an act of faith. It is an act of faith to rejoice in the Lord. Calm delight. This joy that is also the joy of the Lord Jesus. May I remind you, do you ever see the Lord Jesus at any point in His life without calm delight? It is the, my joy will be your joy. And then what do all of my friends in here who know their Bibles well know? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And what's the second aspect? Joy. Calm delight. Love. Agape love. It says, and the fruit of the Spirit is agape charas. So here you are, my friends. We rejoice when we pray. Did you see? This is what Paul said. Let's, just look, let's go on a journey here. Philippians 1.3 I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy, with calm delight. We pray with calm delight. And, and especially in this context, he's thinking of his brothers and sisters. There's joyfulness that comes in our fellowship with one another. The joy of seeing the Lord Jesus growing in, in your life and developing in your life. This is the joy of pastors. This is my joy. The joy of my life is to see people who grow in Christ, who have a desire to, to, uh, to walk with God. Uh, whose lives are changed and who learn to overcome uh, sin and wickedness. We rejoice as the gospel spread. Look what he said. You remember he was talking about those who were his detractors who were preaching because they were trying to antagonize Paul. They had wrong motives in their preaching. Well, Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, he says um, in verse number 17, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition. Uh, rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress. What then? Only, notice the calm delight of Paul. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I have calm delight. The Word of God is being preached. The Word of Christ is being preached. We rejoice with those who bless the church, as we were talking about earlier. Verse number 29 of chapter 2. Receive Him then in the Lord with all joy. What a delightful, wonderful thing it is to be with God's people who serve the Lord. Those are the ones who are honored. I said it last week. It's interesting who the modern American church honors and reveres and puts on the pedestal as like they're the great heroes. Well, it's the Epaphroditus of the church are the ones that are to be honored 
and there's great joy. That is, these are the ones who may be unknown, but only to a few, but oh, how they advance and share the gospel and care for others. Well, we rejoice in the care of the Lord for us. And we're going to get to this, and I'll expand on this later in chapter 4, verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. And what is he rejoicing in? Paul is rejoicing in the fact that he received this gift from this church. He needed it. He's in jail. He's cut off from all of his resources. And then we rejoice in all of our trials. Uh, need I remind you of these uh, tremendous verses? You, you know, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Look, I didn't wake up last Friday and say, today I think I'm going to fall down 12 stairs head first and hit a metal object. I think I'm going to do that today. But it happened. Uh, I'm going to wake up today and I think that today I'd like to just be sick. Uh, today I, I'm going to wake up to... No, no. We encounter trials because we live in a fallen world. And because we are still in our sin, we still have a sin nature. We can go back. We can go back to our corruption. We can go back in our ways. The reality is that we must learn to live with calm delight. And only the Holy Spirit of God can give you that. And it is an act of faith. Now, here's the point. Live joyfully. Live with calm delight. If your child is diagnosed with a terminal disease, live with calm delight. If you're fired because you stand for the gospel, live with calm delight. If you lose everything, if you gain everything, Whatever the whatever you encounter, consider it all joy. That's James in James 1-2. So it is an act of faith to rejoice in the Lord. What does Paul say to them here? Finally, and what do I say to this church and everyone listening to me? Today, I'm talking to you right now in your life. Whatever you're going through as you came in the doors, whatever distractions were encountering you, listen to me, rejoice in the Lord. That's the word for you tonight. Rejoice in the Lord. This becomes so important. And so it is the joy of believers to minister to others. That's, that's what we've seen already, as I read to you in second, uh, chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. There's nothing, but, there's nothing but joy in ministering to other people. Look, if, the reason why some of us are so miserable in this church is because we don't care about anybody but ourselves. We don't minister to anybody. We come up here like this Walmart. You know? Well, you know, I used to go up there, but... They didn't really have, okay, whatever, good. You don't put, you know, I, I discovered something my dad told me a long time ago. If you don't put anything into something, you don't get anything out of it. Does anybody agree with that in here? That's what I was taught. Yeah. If you don't put any effort into it, so everybody comes up here, it's like it's Walmart. Well, you know, I'm just kind of shopping for something. What are you looking for? We're not going to have it, and you're going to be unhappy pretty quick. The joy comes as I reach out and minister to others. And every person hearing my voice, it doesn't matter your age or your limitations, you can and must have a ministry from God to other people. It's a joy to minister to others. It's a joy of believers to share uh, their joy with others. You see, it's contagious. This is, this is better. This, you don't... Look, I don't want to wear a mask. I want my joy to get in you. 
and get on you. I want it to be contagious. I want it to catch. That's what the church needs. We catch on fire by the joy that comes in our lives. You see, this is what you feel from the book of Philippians from Paul. Notice this. Here's an ironic thing. He is separated from them, but he is calling them to share in a joy spiritually that they have in common, even though they're separated from each other geographically. That's a pretty profound thought. So even when we're separated as a church and we're not together, oh, the joy of the Lord. First Baptist Church, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Have an inner gladness that whatever you encounter will always remain. And in your walking by faith, listen to me, when you walk by faith, your calm delight will rise. It will rise. This is the promise of God's Word. It is, number four, the joy of believers to always rejoice in the Lord. This is, again, what he's going to say to us in 4.4. Famous words, right? We've all memorized this. Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord when you're young. Rejoice in the Lord. Boy, this is going to hit some of you. When you're old as dirt. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice when your eyes are good. Rejoice when you can barely see. That baby's not bothering us. We don't care if that baby cries. That's right. Bless you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Notice, again I say rejoice. It's an imperative. It's the challenge to us all here tonight, folks. We must walk by faith and we must recognize the importance of living and the joy and blessing of calm delight. Now, it is the joy of believers to always rejoice in the Lord. And notice I gave you 1 Peter 1.8 in your notes. Uh, I've quoted it to you so many times, but it's such a wonderful truth. Though you have not seen the Lord Jesus Christ, you love Him. What, a, what an interesting statement. This, is the, this, is the, this has been the description of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, since uh, the days of the disciples all finally being dead. And those 500 or so that saw Him raised from the dead. After they were all gone, after they were all gone, everybody else has had to see the Lord Jesus by faith, believe and love Him though we have not seen Him. And what did the Lord say to Thomas and to those disciples? Blessed are those who see even though they believe even though they've not seen, right? Even though you do not uh, see Him, you love Him. You do not see Him now, but you believe in Him. And look at this. And you rejoice with indescribable and glorious calm delight. What can someone do to us who know the Lord Jesus Christ? Nothing. If they kill us, they kill us. doesn't matter. What, whatever they do to us, it doesn't matter. The indescribable joy is knowing the Lord Jesus. I'm asking you tonight, do you have that kind of a relationship with the Lord? That's the normal Christian life. Indescribable joy and glorious, wonderful Glorying in God. We're going to get to that at the bottom uh, when Paul talks about these other imperatives. Rejoicing in the Lord is 
is a protection for the believer. Paul says this awkward phrase here in verse number 1. Finally, I'm back in 3.1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing again is no trouble. It's a safeguard. Well, this Greek word for safeguard is, is actually a word that means it's, this is reliable. This is dependable. For me to say this to you multiple times is important. This gives you guardrails. This protects you. What do we do in order to live our lives as we encounter the various trials that come? Folks, we rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice when it's good. We rejoice when it's bad. We rejoice in the Lord. The object is rejoicing in the Lord and the glory of all that He is. That's why we, that's why we rejoice because we think of all the wonderful things the Lord has done for us. Think about this. Rejoice in the Lord tonight. He is your Savior. He is your Lord. He is your High Priest. He is your King. He is the one who has given you all that you have. Rejoice in the Lord. The Holy Spirit of God has been given to you. God in our triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, one God, Father, Son, Spirit, has come to do His enormous, amazing work in you. Rejoice in the Lord and all that it means for Him in His character and His operations in our life. You see, I find as I talk with people, the problem with most modern American Christians is we don't think very deeply. We're about the most shallow thinking people ever to exist on this planet. Because we're very busy, right? We have to go to the store. We're busy. We have to mow the grass. We're busy. We have stuff we have to do. And we spend most of our life, spend most of our life neglecting the greatest of all joys. You know what it is? To think deeply about God and to think deeply about the Lord. And the more you can think deeply about the Lord, I promise you, your joy will rise. Your joy will rise. It's my answer to those who come to me and say, well, I'm depressed. Good. You can get out of your depression. Begin to think about some new things. Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. Begin to dwell on things that are just, true, honorable, of good repute. And I can go on. Oh, this matter of thinking deeply. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 6.10, As sorrowful... Listen, now here's, a here's the contrast for you. When Paul's describing his ministry life, he wasn't denying that he had sorrow, but listen to this balance. I'll just give you one phrase. 2 Corinthians 6.10, As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Now, how about that? That's the way we live in our world. That's the way we live as a Christian. That's what we do. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So then he comes to this thing of talking about uh, watchfulness. And this is another one of our simple... We're naive. We're naive about this. If there was one thing that every one of the apostles rang the alarm bell about from the very beginning was the danger of false teaching in the church. The danger of it and false gospels being preached. My soul, I'm not going to get on that tonight. I am not. One day I will. False gospels. Spend your time in the book of Galatians as Paul appeals to all of those in that region of Galatia and says, what happened to you? What's happened to you? You started by faith in Christ and now you've added all the... You follow these new gospels. What's happened? There's only one true gospel. But you've been... You've been uh, tricked 
So now the warning is to the Philippian church, beware. And he says it three times. Beware, beware, beware. I gave you the word, it's blepo. The Greek word is blepo. It's the simple word used for see, to see. But he is not saying just look with your eyes. The word blepo here is also an idea, and I've given you this, this, uh, this, this thought. It's discernment. Be discerning. You know, uh, when John was talking about how to know, uh, though, you know, we, we live in a time where I'm laughing because, you know, as I start to talk like this, some people just roll their eyes and say, here we go again. But, you know, yes, the spirit of Antichrist is alive in the world. And there will finally be the culmination in a person of Antichrist. But John makes it very clear to test the spirits who speak in the name of the gospel. He, he makes it clear. In fact, he gives all the marks. He gives a very clear statement in 1 John 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many, this was in John's day, it is, I assure you it's true today, because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Listen, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which, I've, of which you have heard, that is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. This is what false teachers do. This is what false teachers do. And Paul is... is uh, so in his day and time, we know this. Most of you in here are very knowledgeable. You know the, you know the legalism of the Judaizers. Uh, you know how they were always... Basically, their whole idea was it's the gospel plus something. The gospel's not enough. You, you, yes, you must believe by faith, but oh, you've got to add some things to it. That, that's, this, is, this, is the fall, this is the narrative of false gospels. It's always that the gospel as we have it is not enough. Uh, it's always something else has to happen. We don't, we don't have it all, so it's, it's Jesus plus something. And now Paul makes it very clear. He uses a phrase, beware of the dogs. He's using this word dogs. It is a Greek word that has the idea. It's actually a word that has to do with impurity of mind. And I read you some verses here for your own... The Lord Jesus said something interesting. We always scratch our head at this in John and Matthew 7, 6. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. The point is, if you talk about pure and godly things with the impure, they make fun of it, they ridicule it, they laugh about it, they mock you. I'll read it to you from Titus 1.15. To the pure, all things are pure. To the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1.15. But to those who are defiled... But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their mind and conscience is defiled. That's why when you share the gospel or when you talk about holy things or you talk about the preciousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, you get mockery from the lost and the wicked. We once were lost and wicked ourselves. We once were defiled ourselves. I'm not saying we're better. I'm, I'm saying this to you tonight because Paul is not being cruel and name-calling. He's describing those. Why would you place pure things? Be, who is going to give your best food and put your china out for the dogs? 
you throw them the scraps, the leftovers. Beware of dogs. Are you watching? Are you watching? By the way, because everybody... Here's what I've discovered being a pastor in these days of technology. You know, and, and I've gotten over my feelings being hurt. I'm not everybody's favorite pastor. Charlie, I've finally got over that. I'm not. A lot of... I know, and thank you, and I'm trying to. Charlie and I go back a long way, so I'm having a psychological talk with him. But here's my point. They listen to Pastor Mike, or they listen to whoever their pastor is, but they've got their favorite preacher, you know. And they've downloaded all his sermons, and they've got it, and that's great. Just make sure your favorite preacher is preaching the gospel. Make sure who you listen to. Test the spirits. Who do they declare? Who do they speak of? Is it all about them? Is it entertainment? Is it all a flashy scene? Or is it the Word of God? Where do you find them? This becomes very important because everybody's got their favorite preacher, Dr. So-and-so. Dr. So-and-so's make books and Dr. So-and-so's have Bibles with notes in them. I, I again say to you what I say to all of our people who study, it's better to have a Bible without any notes from Dr. So-and-so. You need your word, you need your scriptures, and you need your margins, and that's all you need to study the Word of God because you have the Holy Spirit of God. But that's for another day. Beware of the dogs. Beware of those who live with impure minds. To them, everything is impure. Everything's a joke. Everything's a mockery. Nothing is sacred. Nothing is godly. Nothing is holy. He goes on. Joyfully live watching for evil workers. Now this is interesting. It's kekos. We've seen the word before. It's the evil worker. It's evil kekos. It's, it's kekos workers. They're bad in nature. They're troublesome. Uh, when Paul's talking about those who are under the wrath of God in Romans 1 uh, verse 30, he describes them as inventors of evil. In fact, I, I want to read that to you uh, and expand on that just for a moment because it helps us to see this idea of of evil workers. That what, what is it that they're uh, working at? Well, it is this idea of... Um, let me get my bearings here. Yeah. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Uh, they do not... Verse 28. This is Romans 1.28. And just as they do not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. To do those things. Now, a depraved mind leads to actions. What did the Lord say? It's out of your heart. It's out of your mind that you live in wickedness, adultery, uh, perversion. And so He says to those, they do things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, uh, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boasters, inventors of evil. Paul describes them as inventors. It's not enough just to be evil. You've got to think up new ways to be evil. This is the idea of this. And in 1 Corinthians 15.33, it's actually the same word. You, you may have memorized it like I did. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's kakos. It's evil company. Kakos. Evil company corrupts good morals. It's what we teach our kids. You better be careful who you hang around with. I need to say it to the church. You need to be careful who you hang around with. Because they corrupt you. We infect each other either with joy or corruption. This is the way it is. So, joyfully live watching for evil workers. Joyfully live 
watching for those who have impure minds and joyfully live watching for false teachers. The circumcision, uh, those, the mutilation, uh, katatome is the word, it's the Greek word, it's to cut. And so he describes this, this very important act which had to do with covenant with God, which was the act of circumcision back for the nation of Israel becoming, uh, it was for their day like some use other religious ceremonies in our day. And they declare that you can't be saved by grace through faith. You have to do some religious ceremony in order to be saved. This is the same kind of lie. This is the mutilation of the truth. And so Paul is very strong about this because he saw the influence of the Judaizers. Remember what Paul said when, on that one time when even Peter, even Peter was influenced by the power of these uh, Jewish false teachers who were in the church and he separated from Gentiles. Remember? And he got rebuked for it. Paul rebuked Peter for it. Rightfully so. So he speaks about this and I don't have time to develop this but it is watch for those who are teaching it's Jesus plus a ceremony. It's Jesus plus ideas. See, there are some who get very subtle about this. Well, you know, I'm saved but i got to have a certain theology. Well, that's a pretty dangerous thing now. Whoa, let's hold on here. You know, there's nowhere where it says that, you know, you're saved if you have Jesus Christ by faith, but then you think like I do on every biblical truth. That's a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. And a lot of that gets going and a lot of teachers get right on the edge where they're pushing an agenda on their opinion of an interpretation. That's a very, very dangerous place to be. We joyfully watch for false teaching. See to it that no one... I'm reading now Colossians 2.8 in your notes. See to it that no one... Paul never had seen the Colossian people in that church. He was writing to them instructions to warn them. I'm saying it to this church. See to it that no one... Because you listen to a lot of people. You can listen worldwide to anybody you want. It's all open to you. Now I'm asking you, how are you choosing who you listen to. I'm not trying to say, you know, poor me, you're not listening to me. I'm not saying that. I'm warning. Be careful who you listen to. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men. According to the elementary principles of the world. Rather than according to Christ. Well, what do we get to then? Well, we are the true circumcision. We are those who have had our hearts cut and purified. We are those who have been separated to God. Bless God, those of us who are saved, we are the true circumcision, Paul says. And notice what he describes, the three qualities, the qualities of circumcision, true circumcision, spiritual circumcision, having our hearts, the Holy Spirit circumcising us in our hearts. Well, it is that we worship uh, in the Spirit of God. Uh, latreo, uh, this, this word is, you know, the word that we get lit, lit, uh, liturgy. I'm telling you, sometimes, sorry, my m- words aren't as clear right now, but I'm working through it. Uh, the word actually means service. Uh, but the word is also used and is developed uh, from the Latin language in, in connection to the Greek language. It's liturgy. So it is our practice, it is our order, it is our service. So 
Romans 1.9, For God whom I serve, Latreo, same word, in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel, Romans 2.29, but he is a Jew who is not one... Uh, he is a Jew... He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter, and His praise is not from men, but from God. Uh, Colossians 2, 11, And in Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. Oh, the joy of worshiping in the Spirit of God. Those who worship God worship Him in spirit and in truth. We worship in our spirit and the Holy Spirit joins us and helps us to worship. What did, what did uh, John say? I was unable to be here on uh, Sunday because I was sidelined, told by my doctor, you will not preach today. Okay. Um, so I sat there praying for the services, missing being here. And what was I reminded uh, as I was reading these wonderful words, you know, over in the book of Revelation, the Lord, the, the Lord Jesus was seen by John the Apostle when? When He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Are you in the Spirit when you're worshiping God? Or is it flesh? Now, this is a real question to explore sometime around uh, worship. You know, worship we know is far beyond music and praise and singing and declaration of the Word and confession. It is preaching. Preaching is a part of worship. But I wonder today uh, how we come to worship. Do we come and do we worship in spirit? Do we worship in spirit? Well, that's not going to always be quite the same as having some kind of emotional... Uh, I'm not saying it wouldn't be emotional or physical or uh, all the rest and affect us, but you see some come saying, well, I've got to feel something. You've got to feel something. I always think, does that mean you ate too much Mexican food? or do, What are you trying to feel? What is this thing? Or a fellow said to me, I know God was speaking to me because I felt it. You felt it? What did you feel? We must explore our feelings. You know why? The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and the mind to see what's in them. This matter of worshiping God has become a very, very uh, pointed issue Paul reminds us that those who are truly circumcised by the Spirit of God, guess what? They worship. They worship. They, they do it from the first day they're saved before anybody trains them. They worship the Lord. And worshiping God is not something I just do collectively with my brothers and sisters, even though that's important. I do it, I do it alone. Did you meet and worship the Lord today? Did you meet with Him? Did you come into His presence? Did you glorify and honor Him today? Did you speak with Him? Did you take the Word of God and ingest it and eat it like you did whatever else you ate today? Worshiping the Spirit. Well, I must go on. Joyfully live glorifying the Lord Jesus. Now, now, we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God. You see, the Spirit of God gives me the understanding of spiritual words. Remember what Paul talks about in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2? 
The natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit because they're spiritually understood. And then he goes on and describes that when we preach or share the gospel or read the Word of God, we're sharing spiritual words and spiritual ideas. And people who have no, they don't have the Holy Spirit of God, cannot connect the dots. What a blessing it is for you to have the Holy Spirit to connect the dots, to take spiritual words and spiritual ideas and make them make sense. Do you see the blessing of that, my dear friends? This is what it means to worship in the Spirit of God. He makes it plain to us through our worship and our praise as we adore and glorify God and then as we submit and hear the Word of God as it's preached. If it's preached faithfully and if it's preached biblically, we respond to it and say, what do you want to say to me today? This becomes important for us. That's what we do. That's the true circumcision. We worship in the Spirit of God. We worship in the Spirit of God and we glorify in Christ Jesus. It is this word praise. It is this word praise. It, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. Glorying in Christ Jesus, He is Lord, Savior, High Priest, King. Glorifying, glorying, rejoicing. Speaking the names of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said to me one time, well, I, I, don't, know, I don't know enough to know uh, how to uh, glorify Christ. Well, okay. Uh, we did it in church uh, back, a, back a while. And I know you remember all my sermon series. That's okay. I know you remember them all. I'm naive and I believe that you all remember them. So don't tell me any differently. I know that you remember when we talked about He, Colossians chapter 1. If you don't know how, if you don't know how to praise the Lord Jesus and glorify Him, first of all, in worship, we'll just read these words about Him. He is before all things. He is the image of the invisible God. By Him all things are created in heaven and earth. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is also the head of the body of the church. Praise Him for who He is and then glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by the way we live. We live to glorify Christ. We live to honor Him in all that we do. And then joyfully live. Now here's the big one. Here's the big one. I could have spent a week on every one of these. I was tempted to spend a week on worshiping in the Spirit of God. Second week, glorifying the Lord Jesus. Third, uh, this one. Now we're down to the real, here's the real issue. Who, who have you put your confidence in? Well, here's the American way. I don't trust anybody. I only trust myself. Well, boy, you're in bad shape. If that's what you do. Because you're nothing. You're a mess like the rest of us. Have you put your confidence in your flesh? That's a question tonight for all my brothers and sisters in this room. This word uh, is an interesting Greek word. It is a word that means to persuade. It is a word that has to do with making friends. It is this idea that I'm persuaded that I'm strong enough to do it on my own. That's a very subtle way of describing this. But notice, those who are circumcised, who have the true circumcision, they put no confidence in the flesh. No confidence. There's nothing good in me. I, I love, you know, uh, I was talking with one of our brothers this week. Romans 7, you know, 
You know, I find in me there's nothing good in me. Some guys will say, oh, that's terrible. He had such a bad self-image. No, he had a realistic image of just how corrupt and wicked we are in our old sinful nature. If you're still telling yourself how great you are, you need to have a new talk with yourself. You're a sinner. You're a sinner saved by grace or you're a sinner still headed to hell. Sinners. And once I'm saved, I am a saved sinner. Yes, bless God. And I am now a saint of God and I am united to Christ, but I still have an old nature. And very easily, and very easily, I can slip back in to terrible, horrible things that I have done in the past and can do again unless I kill sin in my life every day. I cannot put confidence in my flesh. I cannot put confidence in my flesh. I must rely completely on the Lord. Well, things to remember and we'll go and I'll move quickly through these. I just want to give you some ways to maybe apply all of this we've talked about. Spiritual joy is like medicine. It comforts and purifies. I meant to give you these verses and I didn't attach them, but let me read them to you. Here's two good ones for you. Proverbs 15, 13. You know these verses. Some of you have memorized them. You have them hanging up at home. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. Let me look around and see the faces in this room. Okay. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. Proverbs 15, 13. A joyful heart, Proverbs 17, 22. Are you ready for this? Is good medicine. That's the medicine we need. When my soul is in despair, when I'm struggling, when I am encountering these trials, it is that calm delight. It is what soothes your, it soothes your stomach. It relieves your headache. It takes away the agony and dread of worry and terror and fret. It is good medicine. Spiritual joy makes a believer more holy. Spiritual joy is a safeguard against sin. Spiritual joy strengthens in all the circumstances of life. The joy of who? The Lord is my strength. You have been given the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Live by what you have. Live off of the joy of the Lord Jesus. It's a glorious thought. Uh, spiritual joys are inward. They're heart joys. As I've talked about, it's this deep calm in the heart. Uh, John 16, 22, the Lord said, Your heart shall rejoice. It's in my heart. This comes from my soul. This inward joy, it is this deep, wonderful, calm, uh, calmness that comes regardless of the circumstances of life. Uh, what did the lover say to the lover? Your love is sweeter than wine. Yes, spiritual joys are sweeter than worldly joys. So much sweeter. The only way you know this is to have a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope that you can say that about your relationship with the Lord. Your love, Lord, is sweeter than wine. Anything I could have in this world, nothing compares to the joy and sweetness I have in knowing you. Spiritual joys are satisfying. Ask that your joy may be made full. That's what the Lord said. Obey the Lord's words. Ask. Oh, such satisfying. Fullness comes through joy. And it remains. This is the, 
It remains. It is the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> you don't lose your joy. You know, some talk about this. It's there. You must, you must walk by faith so that your joy rises. It is a part of your being united to Christ. It's not something that comes and goes. It's in you. It's a part of who you are in Christ. Spiritual joys are eternal. Oh, it's not just for here. We will live forever in eternity in the joyful presence of God. What did the Lord say? Uh, you know, uh, He says uh, in the Psalms, in your presence is the abundance of joy and then this taste of joy on the earth is the promise of eternal joy in heaven. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what the Lord says to His people as they come to heaven. Oh, the blessedness of joyful, calm delight. I hope you have it tonight. I hope you're living in it tonight. I hope you're experiencing it tonight. The joy of the Lord is our joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, finally, my brethren, you ready for it? Rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word, how it stirs our hearts. We think of our uh, brother Paul, who's had such an influence on our lives. Oh, how he sat in prison, and what did he tell uh, these dear people, he didn't beg them to keep thinking about him and all of his troubles. He said, rejoice in the Lord. He said that their joy would be filled, his joy would be filled. May our joy be infectious toward others. May people see the joy of the Lord is our strength and that we live in the calm delight of your joy. And may it have a profound impact on those who are lost and without Christ who have a joyless life. They have no joy. They think they're filled with joy and happiness and gladness, but it's an illusion. Help us who have the joy of the Lord to express to others that they too can experience the joy of the Lord. Help us to rejoice in all of our circumstances, whatever may happen the rest of our days, However many days you give us, may we rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.